G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's a conversation today about where God is in our pursuit of a truly satisfied life. Should we pursue a satisfied life? And of course, if we are already feeling satisfied, is there also some danger in that? The Rolling Stones sang, I can't get no satisfaction, and that sentiment appears to be a mark of modern generations dissatisfied with our jobs, dissatisfied with our marriages and relationships, dissatisfied with the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Well, perhaps when the goals we set or the things we work for come together, there is some level of feeling satisfied. But when those things that we work for fail to eventuate, where does that leave us? We're reminded that there is a growing number of people dissatisfied and often turning to addictive substances, bound and discontent, drowning sorrows in alcohol and drugs. An important today a conversation today, a time to unpack the gap between addictions and a satisfied life and asking where God is in our discontent and our dissatisfaction. Our special guest today is Dr. Charles Ringmer. He's an honorary professor at the University of Queensland. He's also Emeritus Professor of Regent College in Canada and a former theology and research professor at Asian Theological Seminary, Metro Manila in the Philippines. He developed drug addiction and social welfare programs including the Good News Centre, which worked with alcoholics in South Brisbane, and Teen Challenge, a drug rehabilitation program for youth, and this year celebrating 50 years. And who was there right at the beginning of that 50 years? It was Dr. Charles Ringmer. Charles has produced 25 books. He has a global following and continues to serve as an elder for the mission servants to Asia's Urban Four. Uh, Dr. Charles Ringmer, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, listeners. Charles, I wonder whether we might start uh, at the end and work our way back to some of the challenges that come with addictions and dissatisfaction in life. And I wonder whether we might get a thought or two on how you perceive satisfaction, because some of us might feel satisfied, others are going, no, you're obviously talking to me. I'm completely dissatisfied. How do you describe our perception of satisfaction? Well, I think we need to be fairly careful, uh, Neil, in that um, we need to ask the question, who is the one who defines uh, satisfaction? So, for example, um, commercial interests could define what satisfaction could look like. Or, uh, or people who have um, very bad motivations and a very bad agenda could give us the idea that if we follow them and do as they say, we could live the good life or be very successful and so on. 
So, so I think that we need to look very, very carefully at what we mean by a satisfied life or living a sense of wellness or wholeness or well-being. And we need to ask the question, um, who is the one who orchestrates that? Um, who do we listen to? And uh, we need to be very, very careful that we don't get sort of uh, sucked in to the wrong kind of um, sense of what the good life is all about. Well, Charles, so many will see the images and the advertising, uh, the marketing ideas that are presented for the big house and the two flash cars on the driveway, uh, freedom from debt. You know, you'll go and buy a lottery ticket because, you know, you're going to be rich forever. Uh, Freedom from an angry boss. Uh, All sorts of ways that we might think about if those things could happen, we'd be satisfied. What are your thoughts for the perceptions that we have? Yes, well, I think that one of the things that we need to think about um, uh, when it comes to thinking about the good life and thinking about that, particularly within our current context, we need to ask some very, very basic questions as to um, our own sense of freedom our own sense of individuality, our own sense of, uh, of calling. We need to think about our own uh, giftedness. Uh, we need to think about what kind of values uh, do we hold. And, uh, and then what we need to do is, is we need to be committed, I believe, to pursuing our own sense of life direction and calling and trust that within that kind of a setting, that kind of a framework, that we can then find um, a level of, um, of well-being, a level of purpose, um, etc. So I think we need to be very, very careful, Neil, uh, that, we, that we don't place ourselves open to all kinds of manipulations and the consumer dream, etc., uh, etc., et because very easily what can happen is that we can kind of lock ourselves then into a way of life that over time then becomes very, very oppressive. So, so I think that one of the very important things that we need to think about, uh, about the good life, is uh, do I have a sense of human agency? Do I have a sense of choice? Um, you know, so in other words, uh, that, that I'm not simply under somebody else's control. And that's part of the problem, I think, when we think about addiction, for example, that what happens there is that, is that while, while um, an addictive lifestyle initially may seem very welcoming, um, you know, for example, I might be addicted to gambling, for example, and what I'm really hoping for is that I will reach the good life, you know, by doing that. But over time, uh, that can become so addictive that I lose my sense of identity, my sense of individuality, my ability to make choices, and so it then becomes a controlling issue. So I think the issue of, um, of human agency and personal choice in what we're on about, and a sense of values. I think they're very, very important elements. If we're defining what you might be unsatisfied with in your life, Charles, uh, if you're lonely or bitter or hurt, uh, if you only 
pursue perfection and any time you fall short, uh, you've been a failure or the grass looks greener on the other side. (laughs) What are the things you think that are really the prime drivers of uh, of the people who might feel unsatisfied with what they have, who they are, uh, what their goals are in their life. Any thoughts here of, of what defines an unsatisfied life? Well, that's a big one, Neil. I think that um, I think that constantly we are being bombarded um, in our contemporary culture. Um, with being um, unsatisfied or dissatisfied because the whole emphasis in contemporary culture is that we constantly have to be bigger, we have to be smarter, we need more and more and, and so on in order to constitute a sense of happiness and, um, and well-being. Now, now, I think there, there are two fundamental issues that we need to think about. I think that one of them is that Fundamental to what it means to be a human being is that we do have a sense of longing. Um, we, we, we do long for God. We long for wholeness. Uh, we long for peace. Um, we long for our world to be more just and so forth and so on. So the issue of longing, I think, is, is a very, very important uh, dimension of what we're talking about. And I think in relation to that, I think that the Christian message tells us that all of our longings will not be fulfilled in this life. So in other words, there is a fundamental uh, eschatological future. There is, there is something that the Christian longs for beyond this life in terms of living in God's final future. Uh, where, where there is no longer war, no longer illness, no longer death, and so forth and so on. So, so I think I think longing, when it gets diverted, can then also lead to various forms of um, of addiction. In the sense that I've got to have this now. I I, I want to have this now. So, for example, one can become a, a, a workaholic, for example, in order to get from point A to point B, or one can take other kinds of shortcuts or, or use various forms of medication or drugs or whatever to drive one in a particular direction. The other element that has to do with addiction and well-being issues has to do with um, with the fact that all of us are wounded um, and negatively affected by life in a whole variety of ways. You know, life is not just simply a picnic. Um, it's, a, it's a challenging reality. And so, so one of the things I think that we do need to think about is, uh, you know, to what extent have I become wounded? Uh, to what extent have I fallen off my perch? Uh, to what extent have I become disappointed? Um, to what extent has fundamental trust for example, being broken in my life. And, and I think what we then need to do is that we need to then think about a very, very big theme uh, within, within Christian values is, is issues that have to do with forgiveness, issues that have to do with reconciliation, and also a journey towards wholeness. And, and very, very clearly, that journey towards wholeness for some people may be a, a, a very, very long journey. So I think fundamentally, Neil, what I would say is that 
our contemporary culture is trying to sell us basically a wish dream. It's a, it's, it, it's a dream uh, that I think in many, many ways is fundamentally um, unrealistic and unachievable. And therefore, I think we need to think very differently about the fundamental nature of life. So, um, so, so is life about achieving everything that, that I may want to achieve? Or is life also to do with being willing to live with limitation, uh, to, to come to the point, yes, I'm good at this, but I'm not good at that. Yes, I can have that, but I can't have something else. So that, um, so in other words, that we live a more creaturely kind of reality rather than thinking that we're semi-gods and we can have whatever we want. Charles, you've worked with people who've dealt with addictions now for so long. Uh, I mentioned 50 years uh, since you were the one who started Teen Challenge uh, in the state of Queensland. And uh, those sorts of issues around addictions, and uh, there are, as listeners will undoubtedly know, not necessarily simple things to do to get on a different track, but you seem to have touched on something which might be a way to think about moving in a different direction. The idea of moving in a direction of our longing and uh, the thought of a hunger and thirst for God, for righteousness, uh, as opposed to the alternative, a hunger and thirst for all of the things that every marketing campaign might tell me will make me happy. Is there something fairly simple but profound in changing direction as to how you might be wanting to overcome those things that are addictive in our lives? Uh, Neil, I, I think there is. Um, but I, I think that, first of all, what we need to uh, recognise is that um, there are multiple ways in which we can be addicted. So, you know, as I mentioned, it can be it can be to being over controlling, for example, in terms of uh, your domestic life. It can be in terms of being a, a workaholic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and of course, there are other forms of addiction in terms of drugs and pornography and and gambling and so forth and so on. So I think that one of the first things that we need to uh, recognize is that all of us potentially have a kind of an addictive uh, temptation or a possibility. Um, and, and I think that, that when we then think about what, what to do with that, I think that one of the most fundamental messages within, within the Christian gospel has to do with uh, coming to a place of inner security and an inner acceptance, which I believe one can most fundamentally find in the love and grace of God. One of the, uh, Neil, one of the passages that has always greatly impressed me in the Gospels was that when, when Jesus commits himself to um, being baptized by John in the River Jordan, we have this voice that comes from heaven, God's voice saying, you are my son, my beloved. And God says this to his son even before Jesus begins his ministry. Now, I think that one of the most fundamental problems of, of uh, the way we tend to think is we think that we can earn love. Uh, we, we, we think that um, 
that well-being comes simply from one sense of achievement after another. But I believe the most fundamental reality of what it means to be human and to be a whole human being is to be loved well and as a consequence uh, feel an incredible sense of beauty and joy in that. And that then uh, provides a sense of security for us to then act into the world, uh, not in order to add kudos to our lives, uh, not in order simply in terms of self-enhancement, but being able to live life uh, with a purpose and direction and a sense of fulfillment uh, that comes out of this inner security that has come, I believe, through the grace of God. So, so I think that that's an important, uh, important dimension with regard to the whole issue of addiction and well-being. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Perhaps you've been there and you've grappled with some of the issues we're talking about today. We are discussing the gap between addictions and a truly satisfied life. 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Charles Ringmar. He was the founder of Teen Challenge in Queensland, and they're celebrating 50 years this year. Wonderful wisdom today. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. In fact, Charles, why don't we take a call? Wayne is in Perth, Tasmania. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Oh, top of the mind, how are you? Very well, Wayne. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, you covered everything just about that I, um, I've been through. But I, I did find the power of positive thinking was the best thing that helped me. I, I had a natural high where my head cleared, I can think clearly. But I used the power of positive thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Okay, Wayne... The Power of Positive Thinking, Charles, and uh, that was a very popular book in its day by Norman Vincent Peale and uh, the way that you might address some areas of addiction here. What are your thoughts for Wayne? Well, I, I think that, that, that any important thing that helps us to uh, regain a sense of um, human agency our own abilities to make choices, something that really encourages us, um, uh, gives us a sense of well-being. Um, I, I believe that that's very, very important. Um, so in other words, we can gain uh, help from reading uh, certain kinds of books, spiritual books. There's also a lot of self-help literature that's available. But I also think that what's important in terms of uh, sustaining a sense of well-being, particularly if we've had uh, an addiction kind of background, is to make sure that we are involved in certain what I would call spiritual practices. So what I, what I mean by that is uh, the importance, say, of, uh, of time out, just being still for 10 minutes, uh, the importance of prayer, um, uh, some some persons are really helped, for example, by going on occasional retreats or even fasting. Um, so, so in other words, uh, I believe that there is no one single thing that can help us in our journey towards wholeness and well-being. I think that what we need to do do is to develop um, a style of life, a way of being, and. 
Charles, we've been talking about a very important topic, the gap between addictions and a truly satisfied life. I mentioned in our introduction earlier that 50 years ago, you were the founder of Teen Challenge, a drug rehabilitation program for young people and a 50-year celebration this year. I wonder whether you can reflect on the way addictions are changing or have they changed? Have they evolved over five decades since you started Teen Challenge? Uh, addictive nature, is this something that's more prevalent today or is it better understood today than it was then? What are your reflections? I think you're asking a lot of questions there at the same time, Neil. I'll try to, um, I'll try to answer them just um, one at a time. So, so I think one of the things that we need to recognise is that um, all of us are potential candidates for some form of addictive behaviour in some shape or form, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but of course what happens is that um, the nature of, uh, of what we go for with regard to uh, addictive behaviours uh, tends to change over time. So, for example, when uh, we started Teen Challenge in the early 1970s, um, a, a lot of the, the drug use was basically hallucinogenics, which really did people's heads in, and then later on moved to um, uh, heroin addiction and so forth, and now we're into ice. So when it comes to um, the whole illegal drug scene, uh, that changes over time depending on what's available and also what's the latest uh, groovy thing that um, that's sort of on the market with, with regard to illegal drug use. Um, I, I would say that in, in terms of your second question, whether, um, whether addiction generally speaking, has become more prevalent today, I would say the answer to that is yes. And I think the main reason for that is that that we are committed, uh, particularly in, in Western countries, to what we might call a hyper-individualism. And what I mean by that is that uh, the idea that young people have today is that, first of all, uh, the whole world revolves around them. Uh, everything depends on them. Uh, they're, they're totally self-made. Um, and, and therefore, there's not much of a sense with regard to uh, relationships, community, the part, uh, you know, the sense that I'm part of a bigger story, not just my own story, etc., etc. Now, Now, the, the problem with hyper-individualism is that you then so easily set yourself up for failure. Everything depends on me. Well, the reality of life is that everything does not depend on me. Um, there's the reality of family. There's the reality of friendships. Uh, there's the reality of a work environment. Um, there, there, is, there, there, are the there are spiritual resources that are available to me, etc., etc., so, so this idea that everything depends on me, I think, is a, is a terrible myth that actually dehumanizes us and sets people then up for the possibility of, of looking at various addictive behaviors uh, because it's so easy with hyper-individualism to, uh, to set yourself up for failure. Hyper-individualism sets us up for failure. We're all prone to that. So for those who are 
pursuing or uh, looking for that truly satisfied life. If there's a dimension of spirituality that's required there, how does that fit with where we might make decisions moving forward and uh, dissatisfied with our discontent and looking for something that will give us a level of satisfaction? Yes, well, I think uh, so, Neil. You know, within the context that we're talking about, so so the possibility then that hyper-individualism leads to failure the question then is, um, what about what about failure? So, is failure simply wholly bad, or can failure be an initial grace of God in my life to help me to come to terms with the fact that all of life does not simply depend on me? All of life is not simply a picnic. Um, um, I'm not the centre of the universe. There's also the reality that I need other people um, in terms of my life journey, etc., etc. Uh, I, I also have to learn how to uh, come to terms with loss and disappointment. I also have to come to terms with the fact that I, I, I might have to uh, forgive a, a particular person who has betrayed me or hurt me and so on. So what happens then... Um, I think in that kind of domain, there then becomes the possibility for us to discover a more truly and authentic form of what it means to be a human being. And I think, I think at the heart of that then, we need to recognize that we, we are basically relational beings. Um, we need to learn to relate well to others. Um, we need to have a relationship with God. We need to relate well to our environment, to the earth, etc., etc. So that then opens up whole whole new possibilities away from this hyper individualism, which I see is so destructive. Well, when you reflect on failure, uh, is it all bad? Uh, can in fact there be a dimension of good in there? I'm seeing a dimension of good in that when we recognise our own hyper-individualism, we recognize our potential then being set up for failure, that this may actually be, as you say, uh, failure leading someone to, in fact, find God. Do people, when they're at the depths of failure, Charles, are, is there an openness to this spirituality? Is this something, do you think, God has set in motion that we are able to find him uh, when we experience these failures? I believe that's the case. So, uh, so the the twenty years that uh, that we worked with uh, drug addicted uh, young people and not so young people, we're talking about persons in their twenties through to their late thirties, early forties. Then, then, uh, then there was a very, very uh, basic lesson that began to emerge from the many, many hundreds and probably thousands of people that we interacted with. Uh, one of them, one of them was that most of them talked about the fact that um, that their move towards illegal drugs in this case had to do with dealing with um, uh, problems and difficulties that they couldn't solve. So, in other words, a kind of a quick escape or a quick fix is is going to make my life okay again, and uh, and very clearly that uh, that didn't work. Um, what we saw then 
was that um, that young people then uh, attempted various ways in order to resolve their drug addiction issues. And I think that that what emerged out of that was that those who came to a, a sense of, I can no longer fix myself, um, they were the persons then who began to be open to uh, spirituality, open to God, open to the gospel, open to the good news in Jesus Christ. And, and that then started them off on a, on a spiritual journey, even though uh, some of them had no religious background orientation whatsoever. And, um, and, and some were, were very, very anti uh, the church and Christianity and so forth and so on. So I, I, I do believe that failure, woundedness, brokenness, disappointments are a wonderful call from God uh, for us then to um, be open to the possibility of beginning to live life in a whole different way. Because, because the thing is, uh, the Christian journey, for example, is not a quick fix. Um, one can come to faith in Christ in a moment, but to live the Christian life is a, is a long and wonderful, but also challenging and also difficult journey where again and again we have to be converted, where we have to learn more deeply to love God and to love our neighbor and to be less selfish and so forth and so on. So, um, so I would say that that the journey of addiction is the unfortunate attempt to get a quick fix to our problems, uh, whereas to make a spiritual journey is to make a whole of life journey with regard to ongoing growth um, in the journey towards wholeness and, and well-being and, and becoming more Christ-like. Is there a possibility, Charles, that even people who make a connection to their local church and perhaps even on promise of a quick prayer and everything will be fixed, is that likely to be perhaps a, a more shallow way of thinking about how you might deal with your addictions long term when you say no quick fix and the concept I can't fix myself uh, there's a uh, and, and just to reflect on the caller that we took there just before the news, uh, suggesting that perhaps uh, the power of positive thinking is may, maybe a secular way of thinking about that. But bring church into our conversation here, because uh, church is a journey, and there's no quick fix. What role does church play in all of the ways that we might overcome addictions, Charles? Well, Neil, first of all, I would say that we need to make sure that um, that the church uh, does not offer quick fixes to people. Um, so in other words, you know, the idea of uh, simply give your life to Jesus and uh, what will happen is that everything will be well, God will abundantly bless you and you will have your house and um, and your car and etc uh, etc et and you'll never get sick and everything will be wonderful uh, very very clearly um, that I think is not a reflection of the gospel and I think that if people um, would would uh, be touched by that kind of a gospel then then it could be 
uh, seen as another form of addictive behavior because because you're really offering offering Christ as uh, as, as the big fix. Uh, whereas whereas I believe in contrast, uh, what the church needs to convey to people is is first of all um, come as you are, as you are, uh, whether whether you're broken or whether you're rich, it doesn't matter. Um, you you have a fundamental need of uh, of the grace of God in your life. Uh, secondly, um, I think the message of the church needs to be a place of uh, of welcome, um, where where we're committed to a journey together in terms of becoming more Christ-like and more committed to the neighbour, and more concerned for our world. So, in other words, the basic message of the Christian Church is not simply uh, what is good for me as an individual person. You know that comes that comes back again to this hyper individualism that we're talking about. Uh, the, the 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 church the church's message is for us to become more Christ-like, and then when we look at who Christ was and what he did and the way he lived, that then needs to become the pattern for the way in which we then seek to live. Uh, look at look at Jesus' attitude towards um, um, oppressive religious leaders. Uh, look at Jesus' attitude towards women. Look at Jesus' attitudes towards children. Uh, look at look at Jesus' attitudes towards uh, the poor, people who are outsiders, and so forth and so on. So, so, so I think I think the basic message of the church needs to be not a quick fix and everything is going to be honky dory, but but um, but a message of uh, Christ, who is our Savior and Lord who then calls us into a whole way of life where we seek to follow him and seek to be like him. And therefore, we're peacemakers, not warmongers. Um, we, we, we are gentle with people, not oppressive, and, and on and on it goes. We learn those things, Charles, no doubt over the long term. And I imagine that the way we do that is by being in relationship and, as you say, relationship to God, but not only God, but one another. And that's not a quick thing either because relationships can build up over uh, many years, decades, uh, through generations. Uh, the value of church life in connecting people to God and and being resistant to this addictive nature has to be in this sort of belongingness, uh, relationships that are born uh, out of the same concept of understanding and knowing God. Yes, and I, and I think that, you know, when we look at what uh, contemporary uh, theologians and missiologists are saying with regard to, uh, you know, they're asking the question, what's the fundamental nature of the church in the West? And the basic uh, critique that they're raising is that the church seems to be um, promoting a consumer kind of Christianity. Uh, so what they mean by consumer Christianity, first of all, is that um, uh, uh, what I do is, first of all, I go to my favourite church, and if I don't like, uh, if I don't like the minister, or don't like the singing, or don't like something, well then I'll go to another church, and if I get some problems there, well never mind, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go somewhere else. So one of the things that we see uh, very much in in Western Christianity 
is people constantly on the move trying to find their, their favorite, uh, favorite church. So as a consequence, what that means then is that, is that you never have to face um, your, your own unnatural or unfortunate longings uh, for wanting the picnic, for, for wanting the grand answer, for wanting something that simply satisfies you and that's all about you. You then don't learn the issue of uh, some suffering, forgiveness, disappointments, dealing with difficulties, etc., um, etc. Et so, um, and the idea then that in terms of consumer Christianity, that I simply come to church in order to get goodies, a blessing if you like, um, and then I simply go home and there's very little sense of community, very little sense of relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and very little commitment to the church in and of itself in terms of, of giving and ministry, then, then I think that what, what happens is that we end up with a fairly anorexic kind of Christianity. Um, and and so, so I, think, um, I, I think we're really um, being challenged by the whole issue of addiction. It could well be that we're, that we're ad- addicted to a, a very, very easy form of Christianity that's simply on about me being blessed. Charles, you create wonderful challenges for us and uh, those in church life and wondering about our own local church. Are we the sort of church where someone, if they came to us with an addictive problem in their life, would be able to find that long-term relational answer? And there's a challenge there for churches. But I wonder whether, uh, because time is running out and I wish we had a whole lot longer to talk and I hope we can get a chance to do this again on another day, but for that person who might be recognising that they've got an addictive uh, element in their life, whether it is uh, uh, drugs or alcohol or gambling or being a workaholic or, as you even described earlier, people who have a controlling personality, sometimes that's addictive too. Someone listening in yep. like that thinking... How do I get a? How do I get help from the church? What is? What's your best advice, Charles? Well, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, that first of all, uh, with with a serious addictive problem, that one would first of all go uh, knocking on the door of the church. I I I I think the place possibly to start. And again, uh, what I want to stress here is that. The journey out of addiction is quite a long journey. So, for example, in, in Teen Challenge, uh, we, we journey with people for a year to a year and a half with regard to moving out of addictive uh, orientation and behaviours and so on. And uh, so that's a long, long journey towards wholeness. Uh, I, would, I would start, uh, for example, um, with um, going to... Uh, a medical practitioner or to a counsellor or going to a close friend and talking about the fact, look, I've, I've, I've got some real issues going on in my life that obviously over time have begun to control me in a way that, that I now recognise that, um, that I'm fundamentally um, you know, bound by, by this particular form of behaviour. Um, so, so, so I would, I would possibly start there first and foremost to get some professional help 
and at the same time begin a, a, a spiritual journey towards I need forgiveness, I need God, I need to hear the gospel, um, I, I, I need to be in a place uh, where I can worship, um, I, I need to participate in the Eucharist, in the Lord's Supper, etc., etc., and, 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 and so begin a, a dual journey uh, rather than, first of all, knocking on the door of my pastor who may have no training, no skills whatsoever in terms of helping me on, on that journey towards wholeness. So I'm arguing for a both-and approach rather than uh, either or. Both-and. And if it's the, and. the pastor in your local church... Uh, don't count on the pastor for being the whole answer, but they may well be able to point you in a direction where yep. some of that professional help uh, can be found. Charles, yep. we have run out of time, but uh, a special honour to you. Uh, 50 years this year that Teen Challenge has been operating, a drug rehabilitation program for young people, and I want to thank you so much. Uh, just wonderful wisdom that's been shared, and in a more limited opportunity today, and uh, we'll try and get you back for another day, but let me point people to how you could connect with Charles Ringmer. He's uh, written 25 books and has a global following, and charlesringmer.com is Charles' website. But for those who are thinking about the addictions that they're facing right now, especially drugs and alcohol, Teen Challenge website, Teen Challenge Queensland, teenchallengequld.org.au. And uh, we have a wonderful relationship with Teen Challenge and uh, they're doing such amazing work. That's the website to be connected with Teen Challenge if you're thinking you need help, teenchallengequld.org.au. Charles, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.